So we're in the fifth week of our series on the armor of God this summer. We're doing family worship, which means uh, we have some of the kiddos in here with us, and we have activity buckets for them, great discussion questions that you can talk to your kids throughout the week um, to kind of bring some of the truths home. Because I, I realize, like today we're talking about faith, right? It's like drinking from a fire hydrant. It is, there's so much information here, and I realize that it's not going to be um, always on that on that level where they can grab hold of it. So that's where you kind of come in, mom and dad, and use some of those questions and some of your own imagination to apply it. But uh, we're in verse 16 this week about the shield of faith. We've already talked about um, in the armor of God. We've talked about the belt of truth. We've talked about the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes on our feet. And now we're going to be talking about um, the shield of faith. And I was able to get a hold of this authentic Roman shield. So the interesting thing about this shield here is it, and honestly, it was about the closest thing I could come up with that was like what we would think a Roman shield would be like. I don't know how it's exactly pronounced, but it's, it's, it looks like the word scutus, S-C-U-T-U-S, was, what the, was the Latin word for the Roman shield, and it's also the same word that they used for door. And that's, so, so it gives you an idea of what mental image they had when they talked about a Roman shield. It was about four feet high and about two and a half feet wide. It was curved. Um, There was a lot of interesting characteristics about it. Um, Just because I I like to talk about this stuff, it was made out of two sheets of wood that were glued together, wrapped in linen, then wrapped in leather that was soaked, and then they would trim it out with some type of metal, and it was a it was a heavy, solid piece, but the coolest thing about it was is, is that they would soak it in water prior to battle in case the enemy decided to use the fiery darts uh, or the arrows or javelins, whatever they might throw at them. Because what was the practice was that whenever they would go into battle, there was an initial volley of just uh, these flaming arrows, these flaming darts at them. And the purpose of it was not just to, to kill or wound the soldier, but to create havoc to create chaos and, and panic amongst the soldiers. And, and, and the interesting thing is, is because the, the shield had the ability to quench the fiery darts, if they would just hang on to it, they would be fine. But oftentimes, an untrained or unskilled soldier would panic when he realized that his shield is holding these flaming arrows and would drop the shield and then it became vulnerable. Um, but it was incredibly effective. There was, I don't remember the guy's name, and I don't know if I could pronounce it if I did, Sceva, S-C-E-V-A. He was a Roman soldier, and he, in, in a battle, in, in a, it, was a, it was a siege against a particular city, and when, he, when the end of the battle came, he went back and counted 220 arrows in his shield. That's how effective it was at protecting him. So faith is impressive, and this is the shield of faith. Um, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16, Paul adds this piece of equipment. He says, above all, now that word doesn't mean like it's the more important. It means in every situation, like you need to always have this with you. Above all, taking the shield of faith. And interestingly, Paul, with this piece of equipment, kind of gives you some extra information. He says, here's what it'll accomplish. Wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. So faith is very impressive. Faith is very effective at shielding us from the attack of the wicked. But what is, what is faith? Because here, here's, ah, here's my dilemma. Faith is one of the most overused and underutilized 
expressions in the Christian faith. That's a big statement. Because we use it all the time, like you just got to have faith. You just, I believe this, this is, I, I am, I'm a man of faith. I, we use the word faith all the time. We overuse it and we underutilize it. So it's like we, we say it all the time, but what are we really saying? What is the impact? What should it be accomplishing? We say it enough to make ourselves think that we actually use it. But when it comes down to actually exercising faith in our God, we always come up with an excuse. Okay, maybe that's too harsh. Oftentimes, we come up with an excuse of why it's not going to work in this situation. Like, I feel like God's calling me to do this, or I feel like I need to pick up my shield of faith to do this. But when it comes right down to it, that's just a little too much to ask. That's just a little bit outside of my comfort zone. But we have to take up the shield of faith in order for it to be effective, in order to do something with it. And I think it's so interesting here that the soldier could have the shield of faith and not use it. Like he can be in possession of it. But Paul is specifically saying you should take up the shield of faith. Of faith. It's something that you do. It's a decision of your will to take up the shield of faith. And here's, the, here's one big thought here I'd like, I'd like you to, to have, and that is that faith is more than belief. Faith is action. And so if you think that we're talking about just what I believe about God, that's only part of it. Because the truth is that faith is acting like God is telling the truth. So the, the, the way that I express this is by believing and doing. Faith is acting like God is telling the truth. It is an action. It is, it is not just saying that I believe God. It is not just singing his praises. It is putting into action what we feel called of God to do. And here's what I love, right? So you have the order of everything. I love how Paul put this together for us. So the very first piece of equipment we were supposed to put on was a belt of truth. And if you recall, there, there were interesting components of that belt of truth. And, and it would hold this and supply this and keep this and all of that. One of the attachments, if you will, that was on the belt of truth was a hook that would help support the shield. It wouldn't hold all the weight of it, right? It's not like you could hook it on there and walk around with it. But it would help support the weight of the shield. So, so this is just, it's, it's so beautiful. So you think about the faith that we are supposed to pick up. And the faith that we pick up is supported by the truth of what we know about God. Isn't that beautiful? So we know what God's character is like. We know not only his goodness, and we know his power, and we know his plan, and we, and we know all of this about God. And so, and so having faith, resting on the truth of what we know about his character, makes it much easier to pick up the shield of faith. When we truly believe in truth and what God commands and who God is, that's when the trust and the faith can happen. I love, the, and of course Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. 
our faith rests upon the truth of what we know about God. There's this, there's this great uh, story in Luke chapter 5, and we won't spend a lot of time on it, but in Luke chapter 5, you have Jesus beginning his earthly ministry, and he's preaching on the Sea of Galilee, also known as Lake Gennesaret um, in, in uh, Israel. And you have these men that were uh, in their boats cleaning their nets because they had fished all night long. And this is, this is Jesus' first introduction to the Apostle Peter. Right, So they have not even connected yet. So this is so early on in the ministry of Christ that he doesn't even have any disciples yet, right? So he is preaching to this crowd. And you have to understand that around the, around the Sea of Galilee are just mountains everywhere. And so when you are speaking to a large group of people and you're in that setting, you're not speaking down to them, you're speaking up to them. And so Jesus is on the shore of the Sea of Galilee speaking up to this crowd And he happens to be nearby to where Peter and his friends are cleaning their nets from the night before. Now, now, a little background. They had fished all night and caught nothing. So you know that they are worn out, frustrated, and now they get the pleasure of cleaning empty nets and not making any money off of it. So Jesus is speaking to this crowd, and, and the crowd is so big and pressing in on him, the Bible says, that he asked Peter if he could step out into his boat. So he gets in Peter's boat, and you got to believe that like Peter is listening to what he's preaching. I don't know what he was preaching, but Peter's kind of listening to the message because he's standing in Peter's boat. And I don't know if Peter stopped cleaning while Jesus was there. If, you know, he just, I'm just kind of picturing in my mind that he's kind of half listening, trying to still get the work done because he's ready to go to bed. He's been up all night. And so he's in the middle of all of this, and he's hearing this. And then Jesus turns to Peter, and he said, Do you mind pushing out a little bit from the land? <clears throat> okay. So Peter pushes out a little bit from the land. And then Jesus says, um, Launch out into the deep. Let's go a little further here. And this is all in Luke chapter 5. Launch out into the deep. So then now they're, now they're launching out into the deep. And then Jesus says, um, I'd like you to cast your nets out of the boat. And this is when Peter finally has that moment. Like, okay, we fit a wall here, Jesus. Like, I let you in my boat. We pushed out a little bit from the land. Now we've launched farther out into the deep. Listen, I'm a fisherman. I'm a professional fisherman. I fished all night in this very place. We didn't catch anything. I'm ready for bed. So then there's this awkward pause. That's okay. This is, this is in my version of the Bible. Right? So Jesus says, cast your nets out of the side of the boat. And Peter says, but we fished all night. We didn't catch anything. And then there's like this awkward pause. Where Jesus is waiting, where Peter is waiting for Jesus to say, oh, okay then, let's just go back into shore. But Jesus never said that. Can you, can you imagine that tension right there? Like, yeah, but we fished all night, we didn't catch anything. And then in verse 5, nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. Okay? Like there's this hesitation. So he lets down the net, and the rest of the story is that, that they caught so many fish that their boat began to sink, their nets began to break, and they had to call their, their friends with the boats over to haul, to haul all the fish in. Now, now here's, here's the thing. Even if that's all God wanted to show Peter with all of that, how much better a fisherman would he have been with the help of Jesus? 
And if Jesus just wanted him to stay a fisherman, what a story he would have had to tell. Of course, we know that Jesus had so much more in store for him. But that's how you pick up the shield of faith. It's Jesus getting in your boat. It's launching out a little bit into the deep. It's casting down your net. It's these moments in your life where you're taking a little bit of a chance. You're obeying and you are leaning on that a little bit. But there's this one step at a time attitude where it's a little bit uncomfortable. But you're acting out what you believe Jesus wants you to do. Great illustration. So in our Wednesday night community group, um, we have uh, been, we've wanted to make an impact in our community, right? So we call them community groups on purpose because we want you to build community with each other, but we also want you to reach your community whatever that is. And, and each community group has a different community, right? So our Wednesday night community group, um, we're, we were talking about a month and a half ago and, and okay, what can we do to impact this area? What, what are the needs in this area? And we talked about this or that and, you know, maybe building a porch for somebody or cleaning up a park or painting a building or doing different things to where, where we are living out the kingdom of God in Front Royal, Right. And somebody mentioned, like, you know, is there anything we can do to, to feed people or whatever? And when that was said, it's almost like, like Disney, not the place, but the person. Disney, like, like her brain started kind of turning, right? So, so she starts thinking about all these ideas, and I think she started kind of getting really excited about it. And so the next thing you know, she starts blowing up my phone and putting things on our group page for our, for, our, uh, for our community group about all these ideas about things we can do. And, and to be honest with you, like, I was almost like, we can't help everybody, okay? Like, here I put this out there, like, like let's, let's really make a difference in our community. And, and she actually believed that. And so this little Bolivian firecracker starts to talk to everybody in the community, Right? And she goes down to social services. She talks to the, the homeless folk. And then she starts to meet all the different, like everybody she saw. She saw. And like her husband, Robert, she's like, we, we, we can't feed everybody. Like, no, you can't bring them all home. You know, it's just, it was, but she was so invested. And she began to see the possibility of what we could do to make a difference. So she, she comes up with the idea about just having a lunch for everybody down at the park one Saturday. And so we did. And she printed the flyers and she talked to everybody. She got the place rented. She did, she did all this work and we're just kind of like, okay, what do you need us to do? And that, we, we fed like 50 people. And it was such a beautiful event. And then we were able to take food home to folks that, that were staying in hotels and they were able to share it with other people. And we made some great connections and people are asking, well, are you going to do this every weekend? Are we going to do it? And it was such a beautiful thing to see happen. And I was worried that it wasn't going to work because I'm like, how are people going to know about it? So then one, one time she goes, she says, okay, I want to, is it okay to put this on what's up front Royal? You know, the Facebook page. And I'm like, you know, there's 22,000 people that are members of that page. We don't, are we going to have that much food? So me of little faith, right? So anyway, it's a great day. And then we found out about this, this guy that's raising 
um, a bunch of kiddos on his own, and the oldest one is, is handicapped, and they've been without water for three months. And uh, they're on a well, and so Robert goes down there, and he pulls the well pump up 265 feet and finds out that the well is bad. And so now we have a problem because the well is going to cost like, I mean, the well pump's like 800 bucks. Then you got to pay somebody to put it in and all this kind of, and we just, we kept on getting on these roadblocks. We wanted to help, but we just can't come up with that kind of cash as, as a group. And then the next thing you know, I get a message from Disney saying, it's all been taken care of. Habitat for Humanity bought the thing and they hired somebody to go out there and put it in. Now they have water and it's like Christmas at their house. Isn't it, so, so that's something that God put on her heart to do, and then God just let it all happen. I love that. So the question is, like, what is that for you? What, what can God put on your heart? What can God trust you to see through? Where can you exercise your faith? Because the act of faith is the picking up the shield. That's what protects you. Because here's the truth, (laughs) the act of faith focuses on God, not on you. And that's a big deal. That's a big statement. So when we exercise our faith, we're no longer looking at all the darts coming in, the loneliness, the doubt, the fear, the temptation, all of the darts that the devil is throwing at us. We are looking at a very big God. And we're focusing on God and not on us. And that is how we are protected. We are looking at what we know about God, his trustworthiness, his goodness, his ability, his strength. And here's what I found is that your use of faith, like, like how, how you tend to pick this up and use it is directly proportional to your perception of God. I don't know if that makes sense, but it, it's, like, it's like whether or not you are exercising faith, whether or not you are actively uh, putting your faith to work seems to be directly proportional to how you view the God that you love and serve. Because you can't separate the faith that you have from the works that you do. And I know that's, a, that's like a, a, a big statement, right? Someone said it like this, like it's, it's trying to separate faith from works is like trying to separate heat and light from a candle. Both heat and light are produced by the same candle. I know they're not the same thing, but you can't separate it either. Your faith prompts you to obedience and then your obedience produces faith. It's just this beautiful, they have a symbiotic or an interdependent relationship. Faith and obedience. Obedience leads to faith. Faith leads to obedience. There's a, so much scripture with that. Faith and obedience cannot be separated. Because what I believe, I obey. I show you what I believe by how I live, not with what I say. So it's this attitude of obedience. This is what God wants me to do. I trust the Lord. I believe this about him. It is that act of obedience that is the picking up the shield and that protects us. And too often we just come up with excuses rather than uses. We tend to think of all the reasons we can't do something because it doesn't make any sense. 
And we let that opportunity to pick up our shield of faith slip away. But here's the truth. Acting in faith is the proof that we trust God. I love this statement. As I said earlier, the word faith is the most, one of the most overused and underutilized expressions in our Christian circles. But acting in faith is proof that we trust God. But I will say this, it's not always easy, it's not intuitive, it's not natural. Because here's, here's, here's some truths about faith, right? It, it requires risk. It's not always going to feel comfortable. It's not always safe, it's not always quiet, it's not always conventional. It requires risk, it also requires sacrifice. And so when we're going to step out on faith, we're going to either be giving something or we're going to be giving up something. It requires something of us. You understand? And I think that's why we kind of hesitate a little bit. Like, ah, yeah, but I mean, I know God wants me. Well, he said, but it's almost like we don't believe that he understands our situation. But he does, and what he's asking us to do and how we are supposed to be acting on faith. Now, let me, let me be very careful with something. I don't want you to get the impression that acting, acting out your faith is only about doing stuff. Sometimes acting out your faith is about your level of trust in him and allowing him to work a situation out. Man, I, oh boy, I have found that true in my life the last several years. That when I have seen the need to, to change something in a relationship or or something that I want to say to somebody and just letting God do what God does and how that and how that happens without me saying anything and just praying about it and letting him work in the situation that was an act of faith so it's not always a matter of well I got to give this or or you know it's going to cost me this much money it is it is sometimes those things that are counterintuitive it it requires risk it requires sacrifice and it requires trust because that's what faith is it's acting upon the trust that we have in him. You say, but Eric, I don't think I have enough faith for what I'm going through right now. I don't think I have enough faith to accomplish what God is asking of me. And I don't even know what God is asking you. But here's what I find so encouraging. In Luke chapter 17, now you understand that we are 12 chapters further now than what we started off with earlier. So in Luke chapter 5 was Peter's first introduction to Jesus. Here we are, Luke chapter 17, almost the end of the ministry of Christ, almost, right? So in this particular dialogue, the apostles asked Jesus this. They said, Lord, increase our faith. Like they're saying, we want bigger faith. We want to do more. We, we can't even comprehend what you're saying, Jesus. Will you please increase our faith? Jesus didn't say, okay, I'll increase your faith. What he said instead was, you only need a little bit. So here's Jesus' response to their request for bigger faith. I'm not asking big faith. I'm asking for a little bit of faith. 
Look what he says in verse 6. He said, and the Lord said, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you might say unto this sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. Jesus said, it doesn't take a lot of faith. It takes a little bit of faith. You don't need bigger faith. You just need to use faith. That's the big statement. You don't need bigger faith. You just need to use it. It's not your faith. It's the object of your faith. That's why you don't need bigger faith. It's not like, because bigger faith sounds like something that I can do. I just need a little bit of faith in God. He is the object of my faith, and he can do anything. He's the one that would pluck up that tree and put it in the ocean. It would just take a little bit of my faith to make that happen, a little bit of belief. Great things happen when a little bit of faith is placed in a very great God. So the shield of faith doesn't keep bad things from happening. The darts are coming. The shield of faith doesn't keep us from hardship or suffering or loss or grief. It doesn't guarantee an easy life or a life free of attack. So hear me this morning. If you're going through it right now, it's not because you lack faith. It's your opportunity to exercise faith. You look at Paul, right? If you, if you ever want some pleasure reading, 2 Corinthians 11, verses 24 and following, right? This was the man of faith, wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, the Apostle Paul. He goes in to describe that there's been three times that he was beaten with rods. He was stoned one time. He was whipped five times, almost to death. He was shipwrecked three times, and he says, I lived in constant danger all the time. And he was a great man of faith. So faith doesn't necessarily keep us from all of these things. So what what does faith do? Well, faith, first of all, faith justifies us. So we are justified by faith. And that's a big, big topic that we're just going to like touch on and move right on. But it says in Romans chapter 5, it says, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Just if I, just as if I had never sinned. So God sees me differently because of the faith that I've placed in him and what Jesus did on the cross. Not only are we justified by faith, but we overcome by faith. 1 John 5, 4 says, For whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the, the world, even our faith. So we are justified by faith, we overcome by our faith, and we please God by faith. This makes me so happy right here. It's like, how do we make God happy? How do we please him? It says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. So the, the reverse of that would say something like, faith pleases God. With faith, we can please the Lord. I don't know what you're trying to do right now to make God happy, but if it's not of faith, it's not working So whatever it is that you are trying to attain or whatever you're trying to do, if it's not of faith, 
It doesn't work to make God more happy with you. So, so in conclusion, and I mean that. We're, we're like right at the end. I'm not just saying that to maintain your interest. What is it that actually protects me? And this is why I'm trying, to, I'm trying to wrap my brain around this word picture of the shield of faith. What is it that actually wraps around me and protects me with my faith? It is my attitude of obedience. Because, because when I lack faith and I don't trust God, then I doubt and then I fear and then I become wounded and I become frozen in my fear and I become ineffective. But when I exercise my faith, when I pick it up and I have faith, that attitude of obedience says, God, I am going to obey you regardless of what comes at me. When that is my attitude, I'm protected by the shield of faith because I'm thinking about the incredible God that I'm serving. And that's my focus. So here's my encouragement to you. Be a person of faith, not just a person who talks about faith. Like what are you doing that expresses your faith? What is being done in your life that expresses your faith? What is your step out of the boat, Peter, moment? Like, what is it that you are actively doing? I I will caution you this. It seems like every time I've seriously pondered that and asked myself, something big changes in my life. So I just want to caution you about that. But what is your get out of the boat moment? If you're going to live by faith, if you're going to walk on the water, you got to get out of the boat. So what is that moment for you? What is that thing in your life? Be a person of faith, not a person who talks about it. What does that look like? It means to live confidently. I'm living confidently because of my relationship with the Lord and what he's doing in my life, in God and in his promises. If God be for us, who can be against us? And I'm going to walk forward as directed by the word of God and his word to me directly. I'm going to walk forward, and then I'm going to push past any fears or doubts that I may have. I'm going to act like God really meant it. And I'm going to live my life that way. Just take a big breath. Pull up your pants and go. That's a horrible word picture. Like you just, all right, let's go do this. It's what God wants me to do, so we're heading out of here. I'm going to push past my fear and doubt. We're just going to do this. That kind of faith is what protects you because you're trusting in a big God. Let's pray. Father, we love you and thank you for giving us this equipment. And I don't want to, I don't want to talk in platitudes. I don't, I, don't want to, I don't want to just have a nice sermon and and make us feel better right now. I, I really want you to work in our lives, individually and as a church. I want to be challenged. I want, to, I want to, to increase my faith. I want to watch you work in the lives of people and in our community. And I want to be, I want to be an agent of that change. And I want to grow in you. I want to trust you more. And help us as a community of believers 
be people who are of faith, not just people who talk about it. In Jesus' name, amen.